Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we tackle our most pervasive fears with truth, because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and while I now spend a good deal of my time sharing Jesus quite publicly, there was a time when I felt pretty unqualified to do so, when the thought of doing so, it tied my insides in knots. Some of my insecurity and hesitation came from my less than glamorous past, and some of you know bits of my story, and some of my insecurity came from the comments and the nonverbal messages that I received from others. So about 13 years ago, a church we had attended briefly in Texas, they called me to invite me to come speak at a parents' night celebration that they planned to hold after their annual vacation Bible school event. Now let me provide some backstory. We'd spent about a month in their community while my husband did contract work for a small local railroad repair facility. And while there, we immediately got plugged into the local church. I served in children's ministry. I was teaching the kids about the credibility and the authority of scripture. I don't remember where else we we served, but we basically got involved. And then a month later, we moved to Kansas City, Missouri. And at first, we lived in a rent-by-the-month apartment. That was our second rent-by-the-month apartment that summer while we looked for more permanent housing. And this was in the middle of a three-year transitional period where most of our belongings were still locked away in storage and we were house hunting most days and weekends. Now that in and of itself was a headache. We didn't know the area. We had way too many suburbs to consider and there were way, way, way too many houses on the market, which might sound like a good thing, but all the choices left me overwhelmed. So in the middle of all that, when everything just felt so chaotic, and and I felt so busy and unsettled, I sensed God leading me to write a VBS curriculum. Like, perfect timing, right? (laughs) But I had no idea why he wanted me to do so. I had never in my life attended one, and up until becoming a mom, I didn't even know what they were. And then even as a mom, I didn't have a whole lot of experience. I, I had served in one years prior, one, (laughs) And then I had caught glimpses of activities when my daughter later attended vacation Bible school programs. And And I didn't, so I didn't know a lot about them, and I didn't know how to write curriculum, period. Plus, I really didn't think anything would come of my writing, but I obeyed. And then about six months later... And another move later, I sensed God nudging me to send that VBS curriculum to the educational director at that small Texas church that we had attended so, so briefly. Certainly not long enough to earn any sort of credibility. Needless to say, I felt pretty ridiculous. I just, I'm like, why am I going to do that? Why would he, why would I send an email to him? What's he going to think just to get some random email from a woman he probably doesn't even remember? I had no idea why God would want me to do such a thing. I was pretty embarrassed at the idea. I was certain that he would find my email annoying, maybe even amusing and not in a good way. But again, I obeyed and I sent the curriculum off. And I soon, so after I sent it off and I kind of went about my my life, I focused on homeschooling our daughter. We were homeschooling at the time. I focused on attending college classes and I forgot all about the curriculum, all about that Texas church, all about that email until, I don't know, maybe another six months later, I received a phone call from the children's director at that Texas church. Now, I don't know if I had given her my phone number, if she'd looked me up in the yellow pages, the white pages, whatever. I have no 
no idea. But somehow she got in touch with me and she told me that they wanted to use that curriculum that I had written for that year's Vacation Bible School. And they wanted to know if I would come speak at their parent night celebration after the event. And this was the best part. They would pay me. No one had ever offered to pay me for a speaking event. Well, nobody had, no church had ever asked, offered to pay me for a speaking event before then. I was pretty freaked out by the idea. Remember, I was just this, in my brain, I was just this homeschool mom who stayed home and did laundry and taught her daughter how to do multiplication or, or addition. But Again, I said yes, and that summer I drove down to New Braunfels, Texas to speak, and it was amazing. That was just such an amazing experience. God taught me so much how to rely on Him and just the the beauty of obedience, and I mean, just so much. And I received such, such, such joy through my obedience. And the event, it went super well. And after I spoke, numerous parents, they came up to me. So, you know, when you kind of go down the aisle and you go talk to the speaker, well, I was that speaker and they were coming up to me to talk to me and, and to ask me questions and to tell me how much they had appreciated everything I had had to say. And this was a little odd, but one woman even asked if she could have her picture taken with me. And that was super weird. So directly following that strange, somewhat surreal moment, an older gentleman, so he was dressed in slacks and this really nice shirt was like a button-down collar type shirt. He he approached me and initially he appeared highly engaged, highly complimentary. And then about five minutes into our conversation, he asked, so where are you going next? And I just kind of looked at him. I was trying to process what he meant by that question. I was like, um, home to Missouri, I said. And then he was like, no, I mean, what's next for you? And And I soon figured out he was meaning where would I be speaking at next? As if I was a prestigious speaker on a tour or something, which I so was not. Um, I'm going home, I repeated, to homeschool my daughter. And his body language, his facial expression changed immediately. Any hint of admiration completely gone. Oh, he said. And then he quickly excused himself. He walked away. And in that moment, I felt so discarded, so discounted, so insufficient, almost as if I had misrepresented myself and and made myself out to appear more qualified than I was. And I assumed that the man's behavior was completely valid. I was just a stay-at-home housewife, after all. That was my thinking. A homeschool mom. Why would anyone listen to me? That encounter really hampered my confidence for some time. And so when asked to speak or even asked about my speaking, I would think back on that experience and, and I would remember that man's face, his dismissive tone, his his body language, and I would think, who do I think I am? I'm just a Midwestern housewife. Surely someone else would be much better qualified to accept that engagement, to deliver that message, to share Jesus, to share that truth. However, my answer to that question, why would anyone listen to me, that has changed dramatically since then. While I've grown since that Texas speaking engagement, praise God, in many ways, I am still that same woman. I still spend a good chunk of my time at home. I still walk around my house in my comfy sweatpants, in my baggy t-shirts. In fact, I am recording this right now in sweatpants and a sweatshirt. And I still plan my meals 
for my family. I still cook dinner. I still live out my roles as mother and wife as best as I can. But I am also called and empowered by Jesus Christ. I am no more called now than I was then. And I was no more called then than I am now. We are all called, if we belong to Jesus, we are all called and empowered by him. And that is enough. That is more than enough. While I'll never be a Tony Evans, I'll never be a Priscilla Schreier or a Christine Kane, I am a woman who has experienced the transformational power of Jesus Christ. I'm certainly, certainly not the best orator or the best podcast host or writer that our world has ever known, but I can tell others about everything Christ has done in my life. I can invite others to experience him for themselves. That's something we can all do. And like I said, that is enough. In John chapter 4, scripture tells us about an encounter that Jesus had with a woman I am certain many people, the religious leaders especially, discounted. Some of you might be familiar with her story. This was relatively early in Jesus' ministry, and he was traveling from Judea to Galilee. And to get there, he had to go through Samaria, an area nearly all Jews, maybe even maybe even all Jews other than Jesus and his disciples, went well out of their way to avoid because they considered the Samaritans basically Gentiles and therefore unclean. Their view of Samaritan women was even worse. A rabbinical law from 66 AD, it indicates that Jews considered Samaritan women to be continually menstruating, so therefore continually unclean and able to make anyone who even accidentally brushed by them, who accidentally touched them, unclean as well. And yet Jesus chose to travel straight through this area. And when he reached the village of Sychar, he stopped at a well and he sent his disciples into the village to buy food. And I can't help but wonder if like this was a mind shift for them and how they if they were like uncomfortable because they were raised with with the with the racism of their time. And so here they were going into a village to buy food when that was just Jews did not do that during that time period. And so anyway, Jesus, he's he sits by this well and soon a Samaritan woman approached coming to draw water and Jesus engaged her in conversation. Please give me a drink, he said. She was completely shocked. Most, and again, maybe all Jewish rabbis other than Jesus would have much rather gone thirsty than to drink out of a Samaritan's cup or use one of their dishes. They would have thought that that would make them unclean, which is also explains why the disciples wouldn't have wanted their food. And this would be especially true for a dish belonging to a Samaritan woman. And so she, re- she replied, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. And you can almost hear, like when I read those words, I can almost hear her incredulous tone. Why are you asking me for a drink? To which Jesus replied in verse 10, If you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Now, she most likely thought he was meaning a running spring, which would have sounded like heaven compared to stagnant well water. But Jesus was referring to the Holy Spirit. He was offering her the gift of salvation, the gift of life, thereby making it clear his gift of grace was meant for everyone, the accepted and the outcasts alike. So the two engaged in a conversation during which Jesus told her plainly that he was the Messiah that her people had been waiting for. So both the Jews and the Samaritans had been waiting for 
a Messiah, for a promised Messiah. And just after he told her that he was the Messiah, his disciples returned. In verses 28 to 30 state, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Now, the literal wording she used was, he couldn't be the Messiah, could he? And some scholars suggest that she asked the question that way because the villagers probably wouldn't have listened to her otherwise. Some believe the fact that she had five husbands, as the passage states, if you read it in its entirety, all of John chapter 4, and the fact that she was living unmarried with a man, and the fact that she was at the well at midday suggest that she had a shameful, sinful past. Others suggest that she that there were other explanations for those things, like maybe she had married an older man while she was young, and maybe she had been a widow numerous times over, and and maybe she was currently in in some sort of common law Levitical arrangement. And And others still suggest numerous possibilities that could have brought her to the well at the time in which she came. But regardless of her past, her present status as a Samaritan talking to a Jew and a woman living during a time when women were considered unreliable, she had ample reason to feel disqualified to tell anyone anything, let alone about the coming of the Messiah. And yet God chose her to be the first Christian evangelist. He chose the most unlikely missionary ever, and that should give us all hope and courage to share our stories as well. We don't have to know all the answers. We don't have to try to argue anyone into faith. Thinking that way will only trigger our pride or our insecurity, neither of which are helpful. We simply need to tell others what God has done in our lives. We just need to tell our stories and then to follow the Samaritan woman's example and simply say, come and see for yourself. Our stories have such power. 1 Peter 2.9 is one of my favorite verses. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We've all been called out of darkness and into God's light. Our stories shouldn't fill us with shame. They shouldn't fill us with insecurity. They should bring us to praise, knowing that Christ has used our lives to reveal the power of the gospel. That's such a beautiful, glorious truth. And similarly, we shouldn't feel that we have to reach some level of achievement or status to share Jesus with others. We're his called, his chosen, and empowered children. Don't let your insecurities hinder the miraculous work God wants to bring about through your story. Ask him to give you the courage to speak boldly for him, knowing when we exalt Christ, he will draw others to himself. Thank you for listening and for prayerfully considering sharing your story, really saying yes to however God wants to tell his story through you. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode and make sure to share it as well. We would be super encouraged if you would rate it. That encourages us and it also helps others to find it. Until next time, may you live with the courage of one who truly has been set free. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. 
A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Once in a generation, a podcast comes along with the power and eloquence to inspire us all. This show will entertain you while you wait for that one. Join two best friends, author and former history teacher John Driver and comedian Johnny W. for hilarious and authentic conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. You can listen to Talk About That wherever you find your podcasts or at lifeaudio.com.